This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I mean, there's nothing that we can't do together that I wouldn't do with anyone else. We do everything the same. Yes, right. Except go to clubs. I'm not going to a club with you. But neither you. am I, so we're, we're good on that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. And today on the podcast, Justice for Intergenerational Friendships, or IGFs, which I'm going to call them because intergenerational friendship is kind of a mouthful. Like, who's to say that your next BFF can't be an IGF? Who decided we can't have deep and meaningful friendships with folks who are way older or way younger than we are? Since the 1950s, the prevailing theory of friendship and why we make the friends we do is homophily. That is a fancy word for sameness or birds of a feather flocking together, which really saps the excitement out of friendship, if you ask me. I mean, just imagine you are the fifth golden girl. You get a seat at the cheesecake table and eventually introduce them to edibles. Dorothy will take the most convincing, of course, but soon enough she'll accept a gummy and proceed to have the time of her life on the lanai. I mean, the spec script basically writes itself. But in the meantime, let's get to this episode's leading on ladies, IGFs, and TikTokers Annie Corzin and Mackenzie Morrison. I want to to do the introductions a little bit differently than normal. Could you introduce each other? Okay. Well, Mackenzie Morrison is 31. She's my new best friend, even though I'm over 50 years older than she is. And uh, Mackenzie Morrison changed my life. This is Annie Corzin. I actually don't... Are you 80... 384? I just turned 84. 84. Okay. I don't even know how old my parents are or my friends are or myself sometimes. So 84. And Annie also changed my life. And I feel like Annie also elongated my life in a way as a woman that I feel very <laughs> grateful for. What do you mean by elongated? You're the young one in the in your relationship. Before meeting Annie, I had a warped perception, possibly society-based, definitely society-based, that turning 30 as a woman, life was over and like things were now just going to go, you know, in the opposite direction. And if I didn't have everything figured out by the time I was 29, it was going to be, you know, all downhill from here. And Annie has taught me that, oh God, life is just beginning. Not only is it just beginning, there's so much to explore and do and 
Annie is always just Annie, such a feminist and empowering woman in general, you know, that for anyone, but especially for me, I think at the moment in my life when I met her, she really elongated my perception of my capabilities. So I need to hear your your meet cute. How did you two first meet and what were your initial impressions of each other? We actually both volunteered at a charity event, uh, something for the homeless. So we already knew we had something in common, you know, morally and politically and all that stuff. Um, but it was very superficial. We started talking about vintage fashion and we thought maybe we could because we both like thrifting and vintage fashion. And we thought, why don't we see if we can sell stuff on Poshmark or something? And so it started in a very superficial way. But then we just kept talking and getting friendlier and talking about deeper things. And one day Mackenzie said, you know, you should be on TikTok. And I told her she was crazy. And she said, trust me. And the rest is history for me anyway. <laughs> I have trouble getting my work done unless I have something fun to look forward to. And I have trouble having fun unless I've gotten my work done. So you see, everything is about balance. And I always say too, which I think is interesting, we met the day before the lockdown in Los Angeles. So we Oh wow. So the next day it was like full blown quarantine time. So our relationship really began with the quarantine and the pandemic. That's true. I always forget that. You're right. You would come over and we would sit on our back porch because we didn't want to go into that. We didn't want to be indoors. Yeah, the first year of our relationship was all outdoors, all masked, all six yeah. feet apart. Yeah. So uh, it, it, the posh marking together makes a little more sense then, because I will say that I've I've never met someone and started from like a Poshmark relationship. I like that you two quickly met and were like, let's get into business together. <laughs> <laughs> it's very us we're very even in any down moment we have together we're still working we that's sort of our shared love language <laughs> could you give listeners a sense of each other's style like was there a particular piece or aesthetic about the other that really grabbed your eye no the thing is of course you know Mackenzie is so drop-dead gorgeous anything <laughs> she wears look great on her but no we always joke about she's actually more conservative than I am in a lot of ways she also has a, a good eye for quality but what was interesting to me was I I was brought up poor I've been a thrifter all my life because it's the way I was brought up never to waste money. And I don't understand somebody who goes to Dollar Shops and spends $50 on a, you know, pair of socks. Um, but what Mackenzie introduced me to, which I was not aware of, is that there's a whole world out there now of young women thrifters. They do it for financial reasons. They do it for political reasons. They do it for ecological reasons because uh, textiles and clothing manufacturing is a big, fat, bad thing in the world. And uh, and so she's like opened my eyes to that, that there's more to thrifting than just being a cheapskate like me. <laughs> yeah, Annie's certainly more colorful. That was the first thing I noticed about Annie. We are kind of opposites. I'm more subdued. I wear a lot of silhouettes, a lot of black. And Annie always has full-blown color. 
all, like always has her nails done, always has the best jewelry, just always is fully put together and really beautiful. Look at her home. When I'm seen, not when I'm alone. When I'm alone, I'm in sweatshirts and no bra, you know. <laughs> but are they colorful sweatshirts? I imagine that they're still bright. I try. If I can, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Was there a, a particular conversation that started to deepen the friendship, like something that started to move you all, you know, deeper than the, the thrifting level? Uh, well, it, around the time, I don't know if it was in the beginning or maybe it was later on, Mackenzie was going through some real emotional turmoil in her personal life. And uh, we just started talking about it. And I think I was a good listener. But also the thing is, when you have a relationship that's so um, uh, where there's such a large age gap. Obviously, I've had I've been through turmoil. I've been through breakups. I've been through dating and relationships and marriage. And and so I've got a whole past life of experience that's led me to some kind of wisdom, I hope. And so I tried to share that with Mackenzie, and I think she found it helpful. But that's when we we started to relate on a deeper level than, you know, selling schmatas on the Internet. Yeah, I think I would come over once a week. We've essentially met up once a week for the last two and a half years. Right, and right. I think in the beginning before Annie and I really became friends or just, you know, had that deeper relationship, I would try to hide maybe some of that turmoil I was going through and Annie would pick up on it. And I always loved how she would say, hold on, hold on, let's take a second. Let's go to the porch and have some girl talk. And then we'd sit down on the porch together and spend about 15 minutes just, and then I would feel much better because I was able to get it out and then we'd go in and do our thing. But it was our porch, our porch hangs, porch hangs, girl talk moments that I think really did bring us closer. What kind of insight or advice, Mackenzie, were you getting from Annie and these the, your your porch time girl talks with Annie than compared to maybe the kinds of feedback and advice you'd get from friends in your you know in your own age group? Yeah, you know, Annie just in general has such a humorous and positive and even like funny approach to life in general. She didn't make light of it, but she kind of got me out of the existential crisis I was in. But I do think did have a lot to do with my age. I think I was dealing with this, you know, breakup as I was entering my 30s and Annie would just sort of come to me with this humorous, more gentle, more funny look on it. Like everything's fine. What are you so worried about? I think when you're 30 and you have a breakup or of a relationship that's gone on for quite a while. It's like your life, you feel like your life is over. But of course, from my point of view, what that it's just a it's just a dribble. You know, there's all kinds of things to come because I've been there. But also I have to say in the other way, Mackenzie did something unexpected for me, which is you know, being an older woman in America is not a good thing. 
you get condescended to, you get dismissed, you get passed over. It's almost every day there's a kind of an insult, you know. And Mackenzie suddenly started treating me like I was someone of value. She thought I was glamorous. She thought I was good looking. She thought I was smart. So that's when she when she started this whole TikTok thing. I was still wrapped up in my who's going to want to listen to this old Yenta. And she said, oh, no, they would love you. But she saw. So in other words, she saw something in me that I would not have seen because American society does not make old women feel good about themselves in any way. Yeah, I don't see mentally, that. physically, sexually. They act like we're done. We are gone. And they are so wrong. We've got a lot to offer. Yeah. No, I don't see Annie's age at all. Annie, to me, you're way more vibrant and young than me. I think we're reversed in terms of <laughs> age in so many ways. But also Annie and I are the same. Like we I always just think of the way Annie and I drive whenever we're going somewhere in the car together, the way we talk, it is like we're just two like teenage girls. Like there is no, we're laughing about everything. We're talking about boys, telling about the boys I'm dating. You know, we're listening to music. We're arguing if we should get coffee before or after, you know, it's all. Sounds, it sounds like a genuine friendship, you know, it's from what I'm hearing, it's not a, mentor mentee or uh-uh. you know there there's not it a share there's a shared joy and maybe some shared wisdom there except sometimes i get jealous of her real mother i refer to her real mother as that bitch the <laughs> other mother oh your other but what did your other mother say about, you know? <laughs> But it is true want- to, to your point. Like, I don't see Annie as like a mother, grandmother, mentor figure. I really do see Annie as my friend. Like, it really feels we've we've we have such a bond now that it's such it's that comfortable feeling where you can say anything and you know if someone's not going to judge you for you. Like, they know who you truly are. Or you can. We have our little arguments, and then we get over them, and we always we had our little marital therapy yesterday <laughs> where we say the things that we you know. That would upset us that we said one time two months ago and then we get through it then we laugh about it then we get in the car so it's we're kind of we truly are the only thing we don't the only thing we don't have is makeup sex yeah we do exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so okay since you mentioned it what do you all disagree on and how have you learned to work through that once Mackenzie didn't like how I spoke to a waiter in a restaurant and she really laid into me And I thought I was being perfectly respectful. But she said, no, you don't understand. She said I was missing it. And I I think she was right. I mean, she taught me, you know, I mean, it was it wasn't a our our conflicts are not deal breaking conflicts. It's also generational. I think I'm sort of the filter for this generation and how things have progressed or evolved, because anything Annie ever does is never out of line, so to speak. I'm just sort of keeping us current with how things are handled today. And she's also protecting me. Annie, when in those moments, especially maybe earlier in in the friendship, how did you receive that kind of feedback? Well, uh, when she would object to something, when she would say, I don't know if this is a good idea. I guess maybe first I would defend it, but in the end, I don't know how to say, there are certain areas in which 
I have to trust Mackenzie. And that's one area in which she simply has my trust. If she says, no, this is not a good idea, I just go with it. I may resent it. I may hate her for it, you know, but I've decided it's stu- it would be stupid of me. No, no, I insist. We're going to do it anyway, no matter what you say. That would be dumb of me because she just knows more about this shit than I do. You know, she she knows about that world in a way that I don't. I love how outspoken Annie is, though. I love like her edginess and just her wisdom. She's incredibly intelligent and knows what she's talking about. I think there are it, there's another world to explore that maybe <clears throat> isn't on the TikTok app where we can really dive into these deeper ideas. That I do. I, I mean, Annie and I get deep into these conversations ourselves. Sometimes we do a TikTok, I will object to something, but then we will sit and talk about it for 30 minutes and this like deeper discussion kind of develops. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's what I do to calm myself down. I pretend that I'm a pioneer woman and I have to get up now, it's four o'clock, and I have to feed the pigs and I have to start a fire and I have to bake bread and I have to go and poop in an outhouse and it's cold and it's uncomfortable and I'm gonna die young and I'm gonna have a baby every year. And then I remember none of that is true. I'm here in my nice cozy bed and life is good. Tell us a little bit about the TikTok and what what the what the origin story was of like when when you realized, hey, this is this is a good TikTok. Let's do this. Well, I, you know, I'm an actress. I'm a TV actress, mostly comedy, not terribly successful, but I'm known. I mean, I'm, I have a certain amount of bristles. Uh, I'm the kind of person they call and, you know, they know that I can get a laugh on one line. They know that they can count on my comedy timing. Right. So, uh, but what I love to do more than that is I do something called storytelling. And I've been with a moth and I perform at L.A. Mm. Spoken Word Place. And I've done three solo shows. And so during the pandemic, in one of our porch conversations, I said to Mackenzie, you know, with the pandemic now, there's no live performance. I can't do the storytelling shows that I love to do because everything's shut down. And I said, I'm thinking maybe I could like take some little clips of stuff and put them on Instagram. And that's when she said, oh, no, you don't want Instagram. That's so in her 30 year old way. Oh, Instagram is so over. Instagram <laughs> is toxic. Forget She's that. Right. You want you want TikTok. And, that, and that's what I told her. She was nuts because I all I knew about TikTok was young girls showing how to put on makeup, showing how to, you know, shake your butt. Uh, and she saw something. She she said, no, no, no. 
the TikTok audience would love you. And so there we go into that strange thing where she saw something in an older person that young people would respond to. I never in a million years would have expected that. My audience has always been, as I, I thought, my target always has been women over 45 or 50, mostly Jewish. That's who I have performed for. And that's who I figured with the only people in the world who understood me. And Mackenzie showed me I was totally wrong. I get fan mail from, we got one from a 16-year-old boy in Afghanistan. Oh my who said, gosh. I don't understand how I'm relating to a Jewish American woman in her 80s, but I am. And we were, I really cried at that one. Yeah. But Mackenzie saw something there that not in a million years would I have expected. I mean, is that weird? Annie's a total gem, though. I mean, I struck gold with you, Annie. Like, everything you say is amazing. I, it's just so obvious to me. And I know this is a podcast, but if you saw Annie's home behind her, it's just dripping in art and color and collectibles and bases. And there's just visually TikTok was the platform for Annie in such an obvious way to me because there's so Annie is everything in her life adds up. Like there's nothing mm. that is not completely authentic about Annie Corson down to the mugs in her kitchen cabinet to the pencils in her, you know, desk drawer. So that's what's so fun about Annie and and shooting in her home and running around her home and, and taking making these little videos in every nook and cranny of her place because there's it's like a it's like Alice in Wonderland over there. There's so many <laughs> fun things that just really do happen possess Annie's energy and vibe. Why do both of you think that intergenerational friendships, especially between women, are so rare? I don't get it. I, it's too bad because not only, but it's really important. I've had it more than most just simply because of the work, like I was in a theater company. So there were much younger women in the company, but of course we bonded because sometimes we toured, we stayed together. So those, those women are my friends. Those women are still having babies and they are my friends. So I will say Mackenzie was not my very first, but, but uh, the, those friendships are not as intimate. It's not as close as what I have with Mackenzie. But again, I definitely benefited from those relationships, those women and vice versa. And I don't know why people don't do it. I think for some, well, I don't know. What do you think? People maybe think it's not going to work. Work, You can't. I don't know. Why don't they? Mikhail? Why don't you think people have more young, old friendships? I wonder if it's somewhat cultural to, to America, because I think in other countries there is more of a um, natural connection between old and young and here, yeah. I think huh. there, you know, it's not as common to kind of have friendships that are intergenerational, but it is, it's, Annie has completely changed my life in the sense that your wisdom is so separate and so valuable in a way that I just feel so grateful that I have you to talk to every day. You know, and also my best well, friend is 25 and I'm 31, 32 next month. So I almost feel like I have like opposite ends of <laughs> I have Gen Z and I have Annie kind of giving me <laughs> incredible advice. You know, and it is like we all as women should just be, you know, all over the place in our yeah, weather. But, but it's true that I don't know why it doesn't happen more. I mean, one thing that's interesting is when 
See, Mackenzie thought things were over when she was 30 because she had failed at something, failed at a relationship. And with me, my whole life, I've always been a late starter with everything mm-hmm. I've done. So I'm 84 now. I'm busier than I've ever been. I'm working more. I'm happier. I'm, 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 I'm getting more respect than I ever did. I, I, I'm kind of angry that I didn't, why didn't I have this in my forties? You know, <laughs> you know, in other words, I've spent my whole life basically being a failure and basically wanting certain things that I'm getting now. You know, old people are still, if they're active, it depends what kind of old people, but active old people are still working, are still, still have ambitions, still have projects. They still have things to share. They haven't stopped doing anything. I don't think a young person should be friendly with someone who has stopped. There are people who stop and who wants to hang out with them? But it is a great question because it's almost like it's so hard to make a friend in general at any age. (laughs) So it's like, where Mm -hmm. would you even meet intergenerationally? Like, do you meet at a bar? Do you meet at a pottery class? So I think just friendships in general are so special and so unique to make, you know, once you're past 25 in general. So maybe we need to have more powwows where there's all different kinds of women (laughs) together. It's very, it's very important for me because my friends, my age, a lot of them are dead and dying. A lot of them are, I see when I hang out with Mackenzie and, you know, and, and other younger women, I forget how old I am when I go back to New York and I see all my old, old friends that, that I've known forever, you know, uh, I, I'm suddenly struck by my own mortality in ways that I don't appreciate. Uh, so I, I, I think we got to mix it up. We really have to mix it up. It's stupid just to be, if you're just with people your age, then you're just with people who've experienced the world the same way and American history the same way and the same TV. I'll sometimes, Maybe I'll mention an old TV show, an old movie that I think Mackenzie should watch. And she's maybe never heard of it. And I slap her. But, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. vice versa. There are things that she knows that I really should know more about. Yeah, Mackenzie, I do feel like you're living the friendship dream of the you've got the the Gen Z best friend on one side and then, I know, I'm very and lucky. on the other side, like it does. I am curious what uh Annie you were saying going back to New York and seeing kind of all, all the old your old friends there. What do your friends in y'all's own age groups, like what do they think about this friendship? My other friends Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they. I don't think they're judging in any way since they know me. We've always been friendly. I, I. I don't. Well, Annie has a very diverse, very artistic, very intellectual, academic friend group. I, every time she has a party yeah. and we're sitting in her backyard, I say I feel like I'm on the Upper West Side of New York. Everyone is an artist. Everyone lives between LA and New York and Berlin and Paris <laughs> and Denmark, and they're all just you know. It's that New York sensibility in, in Annie's backyard. I, every time I walk into Annie's apartment in general, I feel like I'm in New York <laughs> instantly. Right. Um, you can so take I, the girl out of New York, but you can't take <laughs> New York out of her. Right. It's true. So I don't think they notice. And, and same with my friends, too. And I 
don't notice. I mean, there's nothing that we can't do together that I wouldn't do with anyone else. We do everything the same. Yeah. You know, I guess. Right. Except go to clubs. I'm not going to a club. But neither am I. So we're we're good on that. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an amusing adventure. (laughs) Maybe one day. I, I think that'll be, will that be the movie? Because I would also watch that. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> We're both. We're going to double date. What is the most unladylike thing about Mackenzie? Oh, my God. Gee. <laughs> I have to think about that. Because I think Mackenzie is very ladylike. Uh, well, uh, Mackenzie's always late. She's always late. <laughs> I am always I mean, late. She cannot be on time. She has... Time management issues. She has serious <laughs> time management issues. We were on our way to the studio yesterday. We had a half hour to get there. She said, oh, could we stop and get some coffee somewhere? And I wanted to slap her. No, we can't. We're got, we, you know, so that, I mean, I don't know. Is that, does that qualify? Yes, I, absolutely. I love okay, that. Yeah, if you want it. me to show up at and noon, tell me to come at 11. Because I will, yeah. you, I mean. <laughs> Did I say that right? I don't even know. I, I, I do have time management issues. <laughs> okay, Mackenzie. I'm what Mackenzie's answer is going to be because there's a lot yes. of unladylike stuff about me. <laughs> Mackenzie, what is the most unladylike thing about Annie? Oh, gosh. She tells me I'm fired every week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It I do. Her, it's, her, it's her way of loving me, and I love it because... Everything is always on the line. We're back. Talking to Annie and Mackenzie and hearing about how much their friendship means to both of them only made me more curious as to one, why IGFs aren't more common, and two, how someone, say, a podcaster in her late 30s, could seek one out for themselves. So I sought out some friendly advice. I am Dr. Andrea Bonnier. I am a licensed clinical psychologist on the faculty of Georgetown University. I'm the author of Detox Your Thoughts and also a book called The Friendship Fix. And I'm a new podcast host myself, Baggage Check Mental Health Talk and Advice, which was based on the mental health talk and advice brand I built at the Washington Post, uh, just premiered in November. So... Big question, maybe. Culturally speaking, is friendship, is it ageist? I think very much so. And in fact, you'll even see this in the lack of research on intergenerational friendships. I think the friendships that we're very much interested in are where two people are alike um, in terms of age. We tend to think of friendship as the young person's game where people are hanging out at bars and coffee shops and that's where your friends are most important and then your friends kind of disappear because you've created this nuclear family and friendship isn't as important in those years. And first of all, that's not true at all. Friendship is every bit as important when you are you know, building a family or you're partnering off as it is otherwise. But intergenerationally, I think there's so much ages in there because even some of the friendship research 
tends to frame intergenerational friendship as something just that is almost like the younger folks are doing a favor for the older folks. <laughs> yes. You know? So it's framed very much as in the benefits for the older folks. It's framed very much as in, hey, this is great for cognitive, you know, strength. And this is great for minimizing the isolation of growing old. And this is great for the mood of the older person in the relationship. But I think that's an inherently ageist proposition that, you know, oh, isn't it nice that the 30-year-old has a 60-year-old friend that they sort of take care of? And in reality, younger folks can get so much out of intergenerational friendships, too. We all are interconnected and that it's not just, you know, hey, here's a service project for you. But I think there's so much ageism in our society anyway, and especially when it comes to women. And so I think it's a situation where it's hard for our culture to recognize that a 60, 70, or 80-year-old woman absolutely has something to offer in the way of friendship and wisdom and not just in a grand parental type of role. Um, but we don't see it that way because where in our media do we see representations of this? We really don't. We see multi-generational families where, you know, the wise matriarch gives some advice to the dating teenager, but that's not the same thing as really looking at it in an egalitarian way and say, hey, this wise matriarch actually is pretty hilarious and is one of my good friends because I value her perspective so much just as a human being, not as my grandmother, for instance. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, who doesn't want to be the fifth Golden Girl. You know? <laughs> sounds yes. so fun. <laughs> yes. How does motherhood and and caregiving, I mean, you know, thinking about sandwich generations as well, how does that affect the likelihood of women you know, cultivating intergenerational friendships. Yeah, I think it can work in both directions. You know, I think it can be a real asset because it's like, oh, now we have this huge thing in common. You know, my neighbor's kids are all grown now, but man, she had some great advice for how to quiet my baby because, you know, what worked in, in 1998 still works now in terms of that or things. <laughs> but then on the other hand... I think I've also seen it work the opposite way, as in, oh, when this generation raised children, they didn't have to worry about their kids on social media, and they have no clue how hard it is to have had kids home from school for the pandemic, and things are so fundamentally more complicated in raising children now that I would have nothing in common with another mother who did it back in the 90s, right? So I think... It really depends on perspective. It's mm. like in my, you know, Washington, D.C. suburban area, moms tend to be certainly older than the national average, whereas my high school friends, they had kids much, much, much sooner than my current friends. So I think it's ironic that intergenerational friendships in theory could happen even more if you had something in common with motherhood. But I think it's once more even like a dividing line, even among moms. And that's not even counting what happens to friendships when one person has children and what and when one person does not. And I think often that can be an obstacle that people really they get through beautifully. 
But other times, sometimes the friendship doesn't survive because of that, or at least it takes on a different form and the closeness is maybe somewhat different. You are reading my mind because <laughs> I am one of the one of the last remaining, you know, uh, friends without kids in my circle, and so I was. I wonder too if people who are child free might have more. I don't know interest in cultivating these friendships, at least maybe from an earlier age of like. Okay, well, if I'm not going to have kids, let me create my village. Yes. I think it's something that a lot of people feel the need to be vigilant about and should give some attention to because I've certainly absolutely worked with many women over the years who feel like the bottom fell out of their friendships. They hit this cliff because there came a certain point where almost all of their close friends were dealing with diapers and daycare and soccer games and all of that. And they it's like they blinked and said, wait a second, because of the fact that I don't want kids or I'm not going to have kids or whatever it might be, suddenly my life just has this gaping hole in it because although I still love these other women it's just not the same. So there's that opportunity there, I think, to relate in a different way and to find a different form of your friendship. But there's also the opportunity to say, I want to grow my own social life in a way that is fuller than just these friends that I had before. And I want to explore some intergenerational friendships, cross-generational friendships. And I want to be able to widen my social circle because right now I need more. And I think in general with friendship, those times come up in our lives and we have to listen to them. There's a lot of shame about feeling like we need to make more friends because it evokes this mm -hmm. notion that there we are in the junior high lunchroom and nobody wants to sit oh, yeah. with us, right? <laughs> the truth is we all go through periods where making new friends is a goal. And I think there shouldn't be shame. There shouldn't be judgment. There's nothing wrong with it. This happens very naturally. So I think we can view it again as a positive opportunity to enrich ourselves rather than feeling so much like it's a deficit, like we've lost something because it is an opportunity. And I say all the time, you know, friendships have different seasons too. Mm -hmm. No one friend has to be the end all be all. You know, it doesn't have to fit into this perfect mold. So for those of us who want to age diversify our friendship, but maybe don't know even how to start. If you had one piece of advice for initiating, kind of getting the ball rolling on expanding these friendships, what would it be? Yeah, it's really about activities at some point. I know there have been attempts to sort of make the equivalent of online dating for online friendship, and, and some of them have been great, but I think there's not a critical mass of folks on those types of things enough. Um, but where there is a critical mass of people is people looking for activities together. And that's always a great starting ground for meeting any type of friend, whether it's someone your age or not, because at the very least, it's a shared interest to grow on. If you don't make a friendship, you've kind of done something cool. So I always recommend start somewhere with what you might be interested in in. Start going to the same yoga class over and over again. But I think the tricky thing with this is that I realize it's not just about making that initial meet. The awkwardness that I help people with all the time is, okay, I've, I've met this person. 
I have no idea how to actually turn it into a friendship. And there are a couple of important things that really can be helpful there. First, no shame, right? Like you can even humorously refer to the awkwardness of it. Like, you know, you've chatted with this person at yoga for four weeks now, and now you can say like, this feels really awkward. Like I'm asking you out or something, but you know, (laughs) hey, I always love talking with you. I'm about to go get a smoothie. Do you wanna wanna join me or something like that, right? It's about making the conversation maybe a little bit more in depth where there's gonna be a back and forth. So instead of always starting at square one where you see this person that you volunteer with, you know, you say something that maybe they'll be able to follow up on next time, or you remember something they said, hey, is, you know, how did it go with your dad's surgery? I think texting sometimes too, it's kind of nice because that's like a nice little segue to get somebody's number in your phone. What you want to build is the ability to follow up, right? You're not going to necessarily meet your BFF the first time you try, right? We wouldn't expect to partner off for the rest of our lives romantically with the first person we ever dated. But I think with friendships, there's so much shame. Like, oh no, this I tried to form a friendship and it fell flat. That means that I'm the unpopular dork back in fifth grade that nobody likes. It's like, no, it's the same way. Not all friendships are going to take off and that's okay. It's a numbers game and you got to just keep putting yourself out there. So the more activity-based things that you do, the better better off you'll be because you're at least doing things that are interesting to you. And the great thing about that, too, is that you're more likely to meet people whose values are in line with yours. I'm going to have a busy 2023, it sounds like. I got to get <laughs> I got to get out of the house. <laughs> Unladies, do any of y'all have an IGF? Or are you like me and now aspiring to find one of your own? Tell me all about it. I cannot wait to hear Your IGF BFF stories, hello at unladylike.co is where you can send emails or voice memos. You can also DM them to me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at unladylikemedia. Thank you so very much to Annie Corzin and Mackenzie Morrison. You gotta follow at A Corzin on TikTok. And thank you to Dr. Andrea Bonnier. For more of her friendship expertise, you can read her book, The Friendship Fix, and listen to her podcast, Baggage Check. Andrea and I talked a lot more about friendship and gender dynamics, and I will be posting the full interview to the Unladylike Patreon. Patreon.com slash unladylikemedia is where you can go to subscribe. For $5 a month, you get instant access to more than 130 bonus episodes, a new bonus every week, full-length guest interviews, and more. Your Patreon support truly allows me to keep on making Unladylike. So if you like the show and want to support indie feminist media, head over there and subscribe. Unladylike is a Starburns audio production, executive produced, hosted, and written by me, Kristen Conger. Tara Brockwell is our executive producer. Catherine Caligori is our associate producer. Mixing and editing is by Ali Naku. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. Remind me, Mackenzie, we should do a TikTok about this. It's a very good tool in life to let your let your fantasy go, let your imagination go. A podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.